0: This episode of Continuing Mission is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome everyone to another episode of Continuing Mission, our look at the ways in which fans are keeping Star Trek alive. I'm your host, Christopher Jones. The primary focus of this show is on fan series and films, and today we're going to learn about one such project set in the original series' time period. Starship Valiant is the personal story of one man dealing with death and turmoil after events led him to assume command of the USS Valiant. Written by Michael L. King, who also plays the story's lead, Commander Jackson K. Bishop, Starship Valiant goes where great Star Trek so often does, into the souls of its characters. And today, I'm joined by Michael to learn more about Valiant, the origins of the story, and how the first episode, Legacy, was put together. Michael, welcome to Continuing Mission. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule this week to talk to me about Valiant.
1: My pleasure, Chris.
0: So this is an interesting project. There are so many uh, projects coming along these days, and each one has their own unique take. And I saw Star Trek Valiant and what you're doing there and thought we should learn more about that because this is a project that I wasn't aware of until just recently.
1: Yes. We've been at it since uh, September of 2013, and we're finally just about uh, ready to get it released.
0: Cool. Well, you've been doing a really good job then because that's, you know, what is that, nine, ten months? And it's a lot of work to put one of these productions together.
1: Yes, it is. It's been a, uh, a long, uh, frustrating uh journey. It's had its rewards, but getting there definitely has been challenging.
0: Challenging and fun, though, I'm sure.
1: Fun at times, but there are things <laughs> that uh, that uh, sometimes hinder the production that, you know, I, yeah. I think it's, it's probably something that all fan filmmakers experience.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, all creatives. I mean, I'm a creative professional myself. I'm a designer by trade, and I've worked in various different areas of creative and Often when I meet people and they know what my job is, they think, wow, that's cool. That must be so much fun. But like you say, when you're actually in the moment and you're doing the work, it's not always fine, right? It can be frustrating and it can be challenging. But in the end, when you look back at the final product, then you maybe you remember the fun times a bit more.
1: Well, it's kind of like uh, uh, something happening and then, you know, it's kind of something that really bothered you or something that was traumatic. And then years later, you're laughing at it. just like one day you'll say, Oh, you'll be laughing at this one day. And now, right. now that we're at the end, uh, I can look back and say, Oh, well, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, or maybe this, right. You know, it's, it's different when you get to the end.
0: Definitely. Well, before we talk about Valiant itself, I like to find out about fandom and how those who are creating these independent productions first got into Star Trek and, how that fandom drove you to actually create your own show. Do you remember your first experience with Star Trek?
1: I remember being about six or seven years old in a small town that's actually called Valiant. Oh. Coincidentally,
0: uh, right? That's not the reason that you named the ship Valiant, though. No,
1: not the reason, but it's kind of a neat little fact about it. But I remember being that age and actually seeing Star Trek on a black and white television. Wow! And being a kid at the time, I liked the fact of seeing the monsters and and the ship and and the the weapons and all that. I didn't really get too much the characters or what the show was saying, but I've always liked it. And as I got older, I really started to enjoy uh, what the episodes were saying, how they were written, uh, how topical they were. And I've always been a fan of the original series. I like the other ones, but the original has always uh, been my favorite. And it's what stuck a chord to me because uh, it always to me, it always said, you know, we're human. uh, We still have all these drives that are not so Uh, positive but we can overcome them and we can do better and be better people
0: yeah and that's what attracted me to Star Trek in the beginning as well and like you it was the original series of course for me there was no TNG until I was almost through high school but that's what attracted me to it as well so TOS being your favorite and what pulled you in naturally that's your show, your Starship Valiant here, is centered on the original series as well.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, it is.
0: So let's talk about the genesis of Starship Valiant a little bit. Your first episode, which is called Legacy, is going to be premiering at SoonerKind. And you've been working on this, as you mentioned, since September 2013. When did you first envision the story?
1: Well, actually, uh, when I, my first introduction to fan films, actually being a part of a fan film, was uh, last year, I'm going to say probably in October August. I don't know if you've ever heard of Starship Ajax.
0: Wow, you know, I don't don't know if I have, actually.
1: This was a uh, proposed fan film by a group of people, and I was actually supposed to play a character in that series. But they ran into a few problems. Uh, They needed sets to be built, and production of the show kind of got halted. So while one day while we were waiting for things to pick up and all that, and and I just started thinking, you know, I thought about what I liked about the original Star Trek. And it's always been the characters and the people, not so much the uh, space battles and all that, just the people. And I thought, you know, I would like to make a film. And we'd already had a set, a bridge set constructed in Oklahoma City at Starbase Studios. So I thought, well, I got a bridge. What if I write a story centered around that bridge uh, because uh, the reason Ajax hadn't gone forward is because they were waiting for sets to be built. And I thought, well, I have a bridge. Maybe I could write a story that just uses the bridge. And that's pretty much how Starship Valiant got started. And one of the things that, that kind of drew me to the series and what I wanted to say about Star Trek is that I'd watched quite a few fan films. And what I noticed was that, uh, not all of them, but many of them didn't have really uh, defined characters. Yeah. I, I thought a lot of them focused more on action and, and phaser fights, ship battles. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tell a small story about people. Uh, I just felt like, let's, let's talk about the people. Let's give the people a personality. Let's create a three-dimensional character. So that's what really uh, was my motivation to create a Star Trek film that has all those things, ships and, and phasers and all that, but I wanted the people to be first. So originally Starship Valiant Legacy wasn't a story that was supposed to be first. I'd actually written another story called Desperation that if we had a film that first would have started right smack in the middle with a crew, a captain and all this stuff. And I thought, you know, I want to introduce these people. So I thought about, a story where we have this little vignette, a small story where we introduce the captain and the first officer. And we give the captain a little bit of backstory, show what he's gone through, show what he's like. And that became a legacy. And I thought of this story in about a couple of hours and I wanted it to be a personal story. I wanted it to be something different that you didn't normally see in fan films. I wanted it to be completely character driven Uh, It's a story that uh, it's a personal story for me. It's a story that says, yeah, we're in the 23rd century, but at the same time, we're still people. We still have problems that people have today, because if you really think about it, my take on it is that, you know, we can go as far as we want in the future, but we're still going to be human beings. And I wanted to explore just being human.
0: That's what I like about Deep Space Nine for example, and even enterprise to some extent as well, is there is that more focus, like you say, that even though we're in the future, we're still going to be people and we're still going to be human.
1: Well, you know, Chris, uh, Valiant, uh, you know, fan films, a lot of fan films don't have a lot of money. And and we're a fan film that didn't have a lot of money. That was something that I realized from the very beginning. Uh, but we did have Starbase Studios. We did have a fully operational bridge set. And I thought that, you know, I'm not going to be better than, say, Phase Two or Star Trek Continues or a lot of the other fan series out there. I I thought, you know, t- my motto is if you can't beat them, you just do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, what we do have a lot of is a uh, story. We can tell a good story. Yeah, Star Trek's never been uh, a show about battles and and, and spaceships and, and right. blaster fights and phasers and all that. It's always been about, to me, especially the original series, about the people. And I thought that, you know, we can tell a good story about the people because no matter if you have all that stuff, if you don't have interesting characters, you really don't have much of anything.
0: Exactly. Let me ask you, you mentioned Starbase Studios a couple of times and you have the bridge set there. And I've seen photos where you actually have Alec Peters, who's doing Axanar, coming yes. on to, to look around the bridge as well. Tell everyone a little bit about what Starbase Studios is and this bridge set.
1: Well, Starbase Studios inherited the bridge, a partial part of the bridge from Starship Exeter when they wrapped their episode. They were Josh and Jim were gracious enough to actually give them the set. And then they built around what they had and made it a fully operational bridge set. And, you know, the, the, the studio is CEOed uh, CEO by Scott Johnson and Richard Wells. And it's one of the few studios that, you know, it's made by fans for the fans. Anyone can come in and make their own fan film. Okay. Uh, you know, they don't charge any money. Uh, you know, you could be gracious enough to donate for, you know, things like electricity, utilities. But, you know, the studio's open to everybody. I- I've seen so many people come into that studio and it's like, you know, living the dream. You, you should see the look on their faces. And-, and I mean, and-, and even me, I've been there many, many times. And it's like every time I go, it's it's just kind of like a magical place. But Starbase Studio is, is uh, there for fans. And their motto is, let's make some Star Trek. And uh, it's uh, a, these two guys are just always helpful. They work to uh, make sure you get your film done any way you need help. If they can help you, they'll help you. I got to give them credit for that because they you know, I couldn't have done it without them.
0: That's very cool that that exists. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's the power of fandom, right? Star Trek fans, those who have resources love to help those who don't so that we can continue exploring Star Trek.
1: Yeah. And I got to say, since I actually started doing this, I've met some really, really wonderful people, Uh, not only just fans and the public in general, but some really nice fan filmmakers who were more than Mm -hmm. happy to give advice and and tell you a way that, you know, you should get past this problem and that problem. And I've also got to give a lot of credit to uh, the people of Starship Ajax, which is another fan film in the works. We couldn't have done it without them because before we got started, they'd actually had uniforms and okay. and props and all this, and they were so mm-hmm. gracious to allow us to use uniforms. And uh, I got to give credit to Charles and, and John Hughes for uh, all their help because they'd really been a big help in the production of Valiant.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you need all the help you can get when you're you're putting together something as big as this. Well, talk about this story just a little bit more now you told me a bit about you know the basic premise of it Valian is set during the fourth season of tos and besides telling that character story is there anything else that you can you can tell us about the 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 wrappings of of the character story and what your goals are
1: well ultimately i wanted to explore uh, what this character had gone through uh, how he's coping with his life I think it's a story that uh, a lot of people will be able to identify with. It's the story of a guy, uh, his family uh, has a theme of, you know, what we, what, what decisions we make and the results of those decisions. Uh, it, it's, it's about as personable a story about a character as you can get. And, and, and ultimately it's an introduction to what I hope will become a web series with more episodes mm-hmm. and, uh, it is my goal, Chris, to make uh, every character on Valiant as real as they can be. It's just my belief that no matter how far we go in the future, we're still going to be human and we're still going to have the same traits, basically, yeah. that we have now. And I want to honor the original series. Uh, I think, you know, in the original series, we had characters that were sometimes just lunatics. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh I believe that Gene Roddenberry's vision back then was to say that, yeah, we're and actually Captain Kirk said it the best. He said, yeah, we're killers, but we're not going to kill today. Yeah. And that's pretty much my motto for this show. Yeah, we're going to get mad. Yeah, we're going to feel like firing a weapon, but we're not going to do that today. Uh, so I, I would consider Valiant to be a struggle, but a hopeful future. I just want people to characters that are as real as they can be and i'm hoping that you know it'll lead into more episodes and people will find this this series enjoyable uh, not that i can say that the first uh vignette is going to be a story that's really uh just it's pretty it's a pretty depressing story uh, with what this character's gone through and and learning about who he is and all that it's not really a happy story mm-hmm. but it it is a hopeful story
0: and maybe a moving story, maybe is a yeah. I would way agree to with describe that.
1: it. Yeah, I would agree.
0: Well, let's talk about these characters a little bit more. Now, you're playing Commander Jackson K. Bishop, so tell me, a l- is there anything else we need to know about him besides what you've described so far? And then tell tell me about the other characters as well.
1: Well, uh, Jackson is uh, or was science officer, second in command of the Valiant. Pretty happy-go-lucky guy, pretty jovial guy, Uh, like to laugh, like to have fun, Uh, but he's thrust into a situation where uh, he's put in charge of the ship, many, many people die, and the guilt is just so unbearable that he uh, is never the same again. And he has to come to terms with the pain that he's going through and figure out a way to get past it in order to continue his life. He has a daughter who is not very, very happy with him because of his career choice. He doesn't spend a lot of time at home. And uh, to say that they're actually in a father daughter relationship would really, really be stretching it because they're not, you'll see the daughter in this film. She's played by uh, Danico Wellington guy. And, She's pretty dynamic in the film. I got to give her credit. She does a really, really good job of portraying this character. She's uh, when we filmed this thing, and I'm watching her. Uh, it, it's just like you know, it, it's it, one of the the many joys of this has been you know when you write these characters on paper and then you actually see somebody play them. And there were times right. when I'm just watching these people, and there's so much of what I've written that it's just overjoying. It's just kind of just floods me over and I just like, wow. Yeah, I can write it on paper, but man. Yeah,
0: that, that is the fun part, right? To see that brought to life.
1: And I've, I've actually, uh, we've, we've got a, a, a girl named Kelly Whiskill who's playing the second in command. Her character is Lisa Kennedy. She's not in the film too much. She's in the final scene of the film and she's in a very, very uh, important scene with Bishop. And I was actually about a week ago met with our director and we were watching a rough edit of the film and I'm just watching her and, and, and she's just amazing. Amazing. I'm like, I was there filming with her and I'm seeing her on screen now. And it's like, I wasn't there. It's just, she's so good. I'm like talking to Brady, our director. And I'm saying, well, what was, wasn't I there when we were filming this? I don't remember her being this good, but I mean, (laughs) she, she, she is great. And, And her character, Uh, I wanted a female in command, second in command of the ship, because I feel like uh, a woman is just as capable as a man. And granted, in the original series, we really didn't see women in command roles.
0: Yeah. Well, it was 1960s television.
1: Yeah. And and I I do believe, though, that if, you know, there wasn't those restrictions back then that we would have saw it.
0: Oh, sure.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And we have Shirley Americk, who plays an, an admiral in the film. And in her biography, she actually was one of the first female captains in the Valiant universe. So I'm I'm fully behind uh, her actually commanding a ship. In our story, women do command ships. Uh, I don't see any problem with it at all. I think it would have been done if, if the networks hadn't have said no. But Yeah, definitely.
0: So you just said the Valiant universe, but this is actually said in the same timeline with the original series, right?
1: Yes, it is. But, uh, you know, as like like I was saying about the original series, they didn't have uh, women in command of ships and all. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of say this is Valiant's take on it. OK. And that that is that there are women Starfleet commanders and and it is starship commanders. And it is my goal to actually show one if uh, the episode presents itself. It's It's a goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's natural. I mean, it's going to there would have been. Yeah, I always think that there are, there always were female captains. We just didn't see them on screen. So
1: yeah, we got that episode, a uh, turnabout intruder, where Janice Lester said that Starfleet's world didn't allow women commanders.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know, I kind of like I strike that from my head cannon. You know, I have my I have my head cannon, and I think that you know they were forced to write that in there. Yeah. to get it past or, the censors. So
1: or she could have just been crazy. So
0: well, she was crazy. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, so we talked about the characters and and the actors, actresses playing them here. How did you cast these people? Are they people that you knew prior to this? Did you do a casting call for Valiant? Uh,
1: most of the actresses and actors that uh, appear in Valiant were people that were associated with uh, either Ajax or... Or sometimes Starbase Studios would have an open house. People would come down, and I would see a person there and say, hey, I think you might be good to play in Valiant. It's like uh, Shirley Americk, who plays Admiral Parker. She had been long associated with Starf- Starship Ajax. and a matter of fact, she was actually uh, the script supervisor for Ajax. And I just looked at her one day, and I said, you know, we need an Admiral character, an older character, more mature. I think Shirley would be great for that. So that's how she got the role, you know, and and she was great in that part. Let's see. We have Danico, who is actually my stepdaughter. Okay. Uh, And we have... that works
0: really well for the dynamic between Commander Bishop and his daughter, then.
1: Yeah, we can definitely play off of each other real well, and I think you'll see that when we're together. Uh, Now, the, the interesting thing about the whole thing is that the character of Lisa Kennedy, we actually... Uh, Kelly is the third actress to actually play that part. This was one of the hardest roles to actually get cast and and actually get the scene completed. Like I said, we went through three actresses.
0: Were you do you're trying to go for like a Z all kind of thing there, where you have three different actresses
1: uh, in not, the same role? Not not exactly. <laughs> not intentionally, right? <laughs> I had known very early on that I wanted this character to not only be introduced, but to play a part in uh, all the next episodes after that. And uh, you know, a lot of fan films you watch and the characters change and, you know, it's not the fault of the fan films, but you know, just some people just aren't available to go on to another episode. You know, most of the time they're just volunteers. They have life and kids and family and all that, but I wanted to use the same character. So, uh, the first actress we got, uh, it was a strain on her uh, her life. She uh, was a single person, but she worked really late. And uh, it came to a point where we had actually filmed her scene, uh, but we needed to do some pickup shots to complete it. And she just wasn't available. So then we went to another actress and... Uh, we just, uh, we couldn't work around her schedule at all and, and our schedules didn't meet. Uh, we tried a couple of times and it was just, uh, really chaotic and frustrating. Uh, the whole crew would show up and then, you know, she couldn't be there and we, j- it just didn't work out at all. And, and the last person that we actually got to actually do the role, Kelly was actually introduced to me by, uh, Ben Richardson, who's our acting coach and the film editor, He had known her and had worked with her and she'd actually done some professional acting and she by far was the best choice. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, where I might be uh, where I might've gotten a little frustrated with the whole thing saying, Oh man, we're not going to get this done. We're falling behind. Uh, I see now that actually having Kelly play the role and how she played the role and just, she's perfect. Uh, She's the best choice because she's just wonderful.
0: Great. So there are many paths to casting these shows, aren't there?
1: Yeah, there is. And it's, you know, when you have people that are are working for you on a volunteer basis, you know, you can only uh, expect so much. You can only ask so much. Yeah. Right. Uh, Because, you know, most of the people on the film have families. They have, you know, you have to, you have to balance your time with your significant other, with your kids, uh, and it, it's difficult. Well, it's and, very uh, difficult.
0: I mean, people they want to put, they want to give you all that time, right? But there are just too many demands on your daily life. So yeah, yeah.
1: You know, sometimes you know, it, it reminds me of Star Trek too. When Khan said, "Time's a luxury that you don't have," and and sometimes time is one of the most difficult things to actually share, uh, yeah. because you know, uh, you, when you work forty hours a week alone and then you spend uh, four or five, nine hours filming, you know, that's, that's takes right. its toll.
0: Definitely. I always, that's a great quote from Kahn, of course. And the one I always remember is Soren and Generations saying that time is the fire in which we burn because that's how I feel <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought of that line too, but I kind of went yeah. with Kons. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: Kons the classic <laughs> for sure. Well, tell me a little bit more about the crew—people working behind the scenes, people you know, helping with the the ship and helping with the the cameras and the lights and everything.
1: You know, I, I could not have asked for better people helping me out on this film than what I have. I have the—I can't give them praise enough. Uh, that's why you know, every time, every chance I get. Thank you, guys. I appreciate this. I couldn't do this without you. You guys are the best. You know, Brady Foster is our director. And I met him actually uh, at Starbase Studios. He had, uh, he, he's a uh, videographer here in Oklahoma City. He actually makes professional commercials, uh, helps, films, help, helps uh, filmmakers. He photographs their movies. He edits movies, actually does special effects. And he came down to the studio one day to uh, uh, look at the place because his uncle, who was a lifelong Star Trek fan, wanted to film uh, this little story that he'd written for himself in the studio. And uh, I introduced myself, pulled him aside and said, Hey, Brady, I'm I'm Michael King's my name. I'm working on the Starship Valiant. Would you be interested in filming it? And I, I believe at first he was he kind of maybe was a little bit hesitant. And I said, you know, if you'll film this, uh, you can direct it. I don't want to direct it. I said, you've got experience in this kind of thing. You can direct it and, and we'll get together and work on this story. And, uh, he pretty, he was, he's a uh, original series fan too. And he got thinking about it and he thought, you know, that'd be pretty neat. Let, yeah, let's do it. And he had already known Ben Richardson. He'd worked uh, with Ben on film and, uh, he, he suggested, he said, hey, uh, so that we can make Valiant the best it can be, do you mind if I bring an acting coach to our script readings? And I said, no, that's great. Sure. So I met Ben. And, and uh, what I like about these guys, other than them being professionals, they always strive for the best. Uh, they always demand the best. There's times when, you know, I, I've come a long way since I started working on this film. I've learned a lot from them. And as far as acting goes, uh, other than Kelly, none of us had really done any of this. And, uh, you know, Ben will tell me now, you know, you've come a long way since, you know, we started doing this film and I started coaching you guys. And and he he's just impressed with the, what we were able to do. and And I just... I couldn't have done without him. I, I can't give these guys enough props for what they've done uh, to help Valiant. And then we have Craig Frey, who does the visual effects for the episode. And I actually had saw some of his work on YouTube. And I sent him a message one day. I said, hey, I saw your work on YouTube. I think it's great. Would you be interested in doing the visual effects for Starship Valiant? Sent him the script, told him about the story. It won't require too many visual effects for this first episode, but I really would appreciate it if you would do it. And he agreed. And I mean, you know, th- these guys, these guys are so uh, giving yeah. that, that I mean, these guys have professional careers of their own. And and they're, they've given so much to this project. I mean, uh, I spoke with, uh, well, through text messages, I, I communicated with both of them today. And Brady, who's working on our trailer now, which should be out here pretty soon, uh, was kind of a little bit disappointed because uh, he had a hard drive failure and he lost what he'd done on the trailer and he had to start from scratch. Mm,
0: yeah. and.
1: <laughs> And Ben, who who actually has edited the entire film, sent me a clip. He's doing some color correction. Uh and I, I gotta tell you, Chris, it, it it's just you know, this is this is how I feel. Here I am with an idea to make a Star Trek of my own. And I got these three guys helping me, you know. Basically they're making my dream come true. Yeah. How can how can you thank somebody for that, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. It's,
0: it's, I, it's I, hard to express the thanks enough, right? But that's what is so wonderful about fandom. People just come together
1: like that. I tell these guys, you know, I'm so appreciative for what you do, but in the end, I feel like it's not enough. <laughs> right? I, I really, you know, these guys are just great. I could not have asked for uh, more faithful, dedicated, professional people to help me with this thing. And they've done, they've went above and beyond the call of duty. They're just, just great, just great people.
0: Well, that is awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing the film, as I mentioned up front. It's, um, or I, I guess I should say episode, maybe, p- because you said you want this, you, you picture this as becoming a series uh, as you we've, go along we've,
1: anyway. We've already actually written the second episode. And the interesting thing about the third episode is that, I don't know if you're aware of a series called uh, Drifter, Lonesome Highway. I know the names, yeah. It's mm-hmm. a web series. Uh, put out created by Jason brazier and directed by him uh, it's won numerous awards and he actually he and I communicated and he actually wrote a draft for the third story okay. and uh wants to direct it so you know we've a- already got three stories written, and the fourth is already uh conceived but not written so you know we're it's just a matter of uh you know resources and and coming together and doing this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been a learning experience for all of us. You know, uh, And I've I, I spoke to Brady about this too. I said, you know, the second episode, it's going to be a much bigger episode. You know, the bridge is going to be full of people. Uh, we're really going to have to plan this to where we can take advantage of every moment. I said, you know, with this bridge being full of people, we've got to get this done while they're all here. And he said, yeah, uh, it, it's really going to take some some thought. We're really going to have to get into it and plan for the best. So it, it it's definitely uh, intimidating, but we're looking forward to it.
0: And when you say full of people, you don't mean like the Mark of Gideon full of people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, in, in this first episode, uh, Valiant's in space dock. Um, so basically the ship is pretty empty other than technicians repairing things. And it's almost completed. So you'll see Bishop go to the ship and it's kind of traumatic for him because the last time he was there, all these people died. And so you kind of just it's, the film is going to show his reaction to coming back and then he'll see a couple of people there. He knows. So we don't actually have a full bridge crew on film in this uh, introduction episode. But in the second one, I mean, every station is going to be manned.
0: Well, that, that will be very – it's going to be interesting to see how it differs between the first and the second and third episodes for sure.
1: Well, you know, there's one thing that I, I didn't mention, and that's that we agreed early on that uh, we're not going to use any aliens from the show that have already uh, okay. been created. Uh-huh. We want it I mean, uh, seek out new life and new civilizations. I, I wanted to use that mantra to explore things that we didn't see in Star Trek. So, you know, on Valiant, you're not going to see Klingons or Romulans or 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 any established aliens. Uh, everything will be new. That's our goal to make everything totally new, because I want to keep that exploration aspect of Star Trek. You know, I want to seek out something new. And, and that's our goal to, to create something new that hasn't been seen before, because, you know, TOS really showed a small part of their universe. And I oh, just yeah. want to see. I want to. There, there's way more out there, and you know, someone had asked me online the other day. So, you know, what can you do? What what else can you do? And it reminded me of something Gene Roddenberry was asked in an interview years ago before he died, and somebody had said, "Hey, you know, you've done a lot of Star Trek. You know what? What else can you do? Are, are there any more stories to tell?" And he he said, "Yeah, you know." there's innumerable stories to tell out there, you know, and that's kind of how I believe there's many things out there to tell. We just, we just got to uh, tell them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Star Trek universe is so wide open that the possibilities are endless. People have asked us before, like how, how can you do so many shows about Star Trek and just talk about it? There hasn't been a new episode now in, in close to a decade. We said, well, there's, Plenty. I mean, there are endless things to talk about and endless things to explore. So
1: that's very true. There's a fan film series called Project Potemkin, who is mostly character driven. And I'm impressed with some of their episodes. You know, they don't have a whole lot of money or large budgets as some of the other fan films. But what they do do well is storytelling. And they've created some stories, you know, featuring things that you haven't seen in Star Trek. And I just think that, you know, when you see when you can see an episode of something that you've never seen in Star Trek or all these series, you know, that's just amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: That really is. Well, Michael, SoonerCon is coming up. And as we're recording this a little over a week by the time this drops, so it'll be closer. And that's where you're going to be premiering the first episode, right?
1: Yes, sir. SoonerCon, we're actually going to have a... Uh... It's going to be on a, in a screening room. We're going to have a Q and a session before the film and after the film. And the production team will be there and uh, the actors.
0: Excellent. Very cool. So if you're going to be at SoonerCon, you can see the first episode there. What about for those of us who aren't going to be at SoonerCon? Because Oklahoma is a little bit far away from Tokyo <laughs> for me. Where can the rest of us
1: see this? It will be on the World Wide Web July 1st.
0: July 1st. Excellent. So yes. on YouTube, you, you'll see it
1: on, yeah, you'll be able to see it on, uh, well, you'll get the links on the Facebook page Okay, and it'll link back to YouTube and uh, a couple other video sites. Okay,
0: cool. So if people want to keep up with the production, you mentioned Facebook. Uh, what are the different places where people can go to, to keep tabs on Starship Valiant?
1: Well, I, Facebook is the main page. Uh, there's also a YouTube page, but it's not updated as much as the Facebook page is. After the first introduction episode is released, we're going to be looking into getting an actual dedicated page for Starship Valiant. And then that'll take the reins. But uh, Facebook's always been our home, so it'll probably be the main page for for the uh, first update on information.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. Yeah, you do keep that page updated uh, quite a bit, I see. Yes. (laughs) So just go to Facebook, type Starship Valiant, V-A-L-I-A-N-T, into the search box up there, and it'll pop right up for you.
1: Oh, yeah. You'll find us that way.
0: Very good. And what about you, Michael? What if people want to follow you? Are you active in social media?
1: Quite a bit. Um, Usually, you know, it's my goal, you know, to uh, be as accessible as possible. I like talking to people. I like uh sending messages to people, you know, someone will tap in and send me a uh, matter of fact, I've even uh, taken a couple of stories from people that have submitted stories. Uh it, It's just, uh you know, I've had people tell me uh, out of state, you know, oh, wait, wow, I'm going to come to Oklahoma on June 27th and see this. You know, it, it, that is so humbling to know that something uh, that's created by a few few guys can, you know peak people's attention enough to want to get in the car, spend your money and drive all the way down here just to watch it. And, and that's just, uh, it's just amazing. And it's, it's so humbling. Fans can be uh, some of the most purest forms of, of uh, love you can ever get. And, yeah, and, definitely. and it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're so giving and uh, I, I could, I couldn't do it without them because uh, they're just a wonderful group of people and you know there's a lot of good people out there and 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 what we're trying to do is just you know what, what 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 we have we're trying to just turn in the big the best product that we can and we hope that we don't uh disappoint any of the fans out there
0: well i'm looking forward to seeing it so michael thanks again for taking some time out tonight to talk to us
1: no problem whatsoever i sure appreciate you having me on
0: you bet Well, I've really enjoyed talking to Michael today about Starship Valiant, but this isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network over the past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. With the Slushoverse, a lot of people are wondering, is JJ going to stick slusho into Star Wars? Earl Grey.
1: It's like Leroy Jenkins. You know, he comes running in. <laughs> Sir, there's another starship entering the zone. It's the Enterprise! <laughs> the, Enterprise!
0: the Orb. But the, here's the thing they put themselves in a box with Dax. It's such a cool sci fi concept to say that the symbiont is the 300 year old slug and the outer host body, you know, they're, they're mixed together. And that the, the host changes from the,
1: the ready room. <laughs> Cause I mean, what's the alternative if you're if you're not gonna do what, what Chris just suggested? I mean, what's he gonna do? Get down on his knees and say, Oh, emissary, I'm with you now. I mean <laughs> right, that's right. not really gonna work either, right? So Allow
0: me to to ride my flaming chariot back to Starfleet. To the journey! I am genuinely excited for this week's episode because we are doing a commentary on Threshold. Yes, you heard that right. Threshold, the infamous episode that everybody loves to hate, but
1: I love to love it. Warp five. But the fact that they had been in so many other shows before, <laughs> that they literally were pulling footage from Voyager to help flesh out that episode, I think it's sort of like, it's a it's an Easter egg and it's a theme and it's also literally pulling out of another show.
0: Commentary, Trek Stars. I feel like he always had the sense that the younger generation had a, a much clearer sense of what the future was going to be like than, than sort of the, the previous one. Melodic Treks and his theme come on and I just thought
1: brilliantly tied
0: in with the original series because these were the original series characters but it was a movie feel and he just did a brilliant job on his composition. Continuing mission. We have had long discussions in the office about how we can get an appropriate chair sitting simulator into the game. Unfortunately, that's such a specific system that would really only be used by Riker. Literary Treks. And then she leads him back to her place and says, Walk back to my place. It's a good place to be together. And Kirk says, Together is good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. We have shows that cover every aspect of Star Trek and you'll find them in all the places where you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Swell, BlackBerry. We're also on SoundCloud. We're all over the place. So just search for Trek.fm or the name of the show you want to listen to and you'll find us there. Plus you can go to our website and stream from the show page or grab the RSS link and pop that into your favorite podcatching application. You can also get continuing mission and all of our shows through the Trek FM Complete Master Feed. This is a special feed that has every episode of every show that we do right in one place, and it's a great way to sample all of our different shows. Or if you're one of our listeners who listens to everything, and we do have those of you out there and I really appreciate it, thank you so much. You can get everything in one simple feed. You'll find that on iTunes, TuneIn Stitcher, and a few other places. So just check for the Trek.fm complete master feed. We'd also like to take a moment and thank Apple for making us the featured network for their This Week On section on the podcast's front page this week. This is an area where Apple spotlights networks each week, and we're very honored to have been chosen. We have all 16 of our shows prominently placed in the store this week, so if you're finding continuing mission for the first time as a result of this, Welcome. I'm glad you found us, and I hope you'll stay with us. And I also hope that you'll check out all of those other shows that you just heard clips from and enjoy the wide range of Star Trek discussion that we have here on the network. Now, if you'd like to share your thoughts on today's show on Starship Valiant or anything in the world of Star Trek fan films, or maybe you know a project that you would like to hear me talk about here on the show and you would like me to bring the creators on, I'd love to hear a recommendation from you as well. You can find me on Twitter, my username is C Brian Jones, that's the letter C and Brian with a Y. I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash C Brian Jones, and I have my own website at cbrianjones.com. Now the network can also be found on Twitter. Our username is Trek FM. On Facebook we're at facebook.com Trek FM. We have a community on Google Plus, just search G Plus communities and you'll find us. We also have forums at trek.films slash forums, and we just launched new forums, by the way, we have a very nice, very modern platform, and we would love for you to come join in the discussion there. Those are at trek.fm slash forums. And also we have a contact form, trek.fm slash contact. That comes to me by email, and you can even send me a voicemail through our website. If you go to the show page and look in the left sidebar, you'll see a speak pipe widget right there. And all you need is your webcam's microphone or your smartphone mic. Another thing I would like to tell you about before we close out here today is a special promotion that we're doing here on the network. Reviews are very important to us, and it's not only because we love to hear from you, which we absolutely do, and we love to hear your thoughts on the show, but reviews also help other Star Trek fans find the show. The more reviews we have, the better we can turn up in search results. It helps us rise up on iTunes and in Stitcher, so people can find Continuing Mission and all of TrekaFilm's shows. Now, we know that many of you would like to review us, but generally you're listening to podcasts when you're driving a car, or you're at the office working, or you're jogging, or washing dishes, or, or whatever you're doing, and you don't have a keyboard handy. And it does take a little bit of time to go over and leave these reviews. Well, we want to give you a little extra incentive. So, from now until the end of July, we're running a special promotion where every time you review a Trek film show, you'll receive an entry in a drawing for some great prizes. So, what can you win? Well, we're giving away a season of Star Trek on Blu-ray or DVD, a season of your choice, Also, Star Trek novels of your choice, an official Starships collection ship from Japan, where I am. It has the magazine that comes with it in Japanese. It's a great collectible. And a full collection of our alien art badges. And we may add other prizes along the way, so keep tabs on us and we'll announce anything new that's coming. Winners will be drawn at random from all entries received before midnight Pacific time on July 31st, and all you need to do to enter is to leave us a rating and a written review on iTunes and or Stitcher. Now, a written review is required. A rating doesn't actually let us know who left it, so you do need to write a review, but... It's very simple, and you can share your thoughts that way. Now, you can only leave one review per show, but of course, you can review multiple shows, and you can do so on both iTunes and Stitcher, and for each review you leave, you'll receive an entry in the drawing. I should also point out that you can review the master feed, and that counts as a show. So for example, if you review Continuing Mission on the individual show feed, you can also go and leave us a review of that and other shows on the master feed. And that'll count as two separate entries in the drawing. Now, there are two steps for entering. One, leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. And two, visit trek.fm review and complete the form that you find there. You'll be asked for some basic information about who you are, which shows you reviewed, whether you reviewed them on iTunes or Stitcher or both. Also, how we can get in touch with you, you know, your email, your username on iTunes and Stitcher and such so that we can get in touch with you if you win. And we can thank you for your review. Again, just leave us a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. Review as many shows as you want. Let us know what you reviewed and you do that at trek.afilm review. And we're looking forward to hearing from you. And we thank you in advance for your support. Lastly, before I let you go, I would like to tell you about our sponsor for today's show, audible.com. Audible is one of my favorite places and one of my favorite services. I've been using Audible for 14 years. Hard to believe, but I have. And I have hundreds of books in my library from Audible. It's a great way to read all the books that you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. It's absolutely the case for me. Hard for me to sit down and read as much as I'd like, but I can always listen. That's why I love podcasts. And if you love podcasts, I know you're going to love audiobooks as well. And as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible. All you need to do is to go to audibletrial.com/trekfm and sign up. Choose whatever book you want. It could be a great Star Trek book like Prime Directive or Federation or it can be a non-Star Trek book. They have over 150,000 titles waiting for you and they add hundreds of new titles every single week. And if at the end of the trial you decide not to stick with Audible, there's nothing to lose because you get to keep that audiobook. That's yours. But by trying out Audible, you will really be helping us here at Continuing Mission and at Trek FM, because if just one of you tries Audible, the money we receive almost covers the cost of hosting and distributing Continuing Mission for one entire month. So that one simple act by you really does help us out greatly here at Trek FM, and you're going to be getting great audiobooks, great selection, great prices every single month. In exchange, So go check it out. I promise you're going to love Audible. audibletrial.com trekafilm is the URL. Go check it out. And we thank Audible for their support of Continuing Mission and the network. Well, thanks once again to Michael for setting some time aside for me and for you tonight to talk about Starship Valiant. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the project. And thank you for listening to the show. And I hope you'll join me again next time on this Continuing Mission. And let's see what's out there.